why we like this deal and why we would go about this in the middle of such economic uncertainty is because there's an overarching, and this is what I want to run through you guys. This deal is the lowest price in every single market revenue per square foot. We're like, this is easily worth 50 plus dollars a square foot. And in fact, during the economic um, downturns and during the uncertainties that may be happening um, in these markets that are stable, they're really good, we would be a top player in all of them. And we could outbeat all the competition. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Self-Storage Income Podcast. My name is Yen, and I'm the Director of Media here at Cedar Creek Wealth. We have a fantastic episode lined up today. There's been a lot of fear and a lot of speculation in the current economy because of the massive inflation we have seen recently and the recession that we're either in or that's about to hit us. What does this mean for self-storage? Are there still deals going on right now? Is this the time to stop investing or is this the time to go all in? Well, in this episode, we're talking about a $150 million deal that we just acquired. This is a portfolio with 23 self-storage facilities all at once. And AJ is going to be breaking down how we came about this deal and why we're even considering buying it in a declining economy. I'm so excited for this episode, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a review. That really helps us out and helps our podcast be seen more by other people so we can share our knowledge and information with them as well. But anyways, guys, let's get right into it. All right, guys, Connor here from the Self Storage Income Podcast. I'm just as excited as you guys are to dive into this episode. But first, we have to give out a huge shout out to our amazing sponsors. So if you're looking to build or develop a self-storage facility, one of the big challenges can be identifying and maximizing that rentable square footage, not the total square footage. What's the rentable square footage going to be? Forge Building Company can actually help you guys achieve that. As a complimentary service, Forge Building Company actually provides customized size and unit layouts. So they can look at your layout, they can look at your site plan, and they can provide a fantastic and efficient and maximized rentable square footage map for your self-storage facility or unit mix map for your facility. These guys are absolute rock stars and total experts in all things self-storage. Be sure to check out Forge Building Company. No matter what business or industry you're in, you're going to want a competitive advantage over your competition, right? You're gonna want that ability to outperform and outmaneuver and outvalue that competition. Janice International provides you the tools to be able to do that, whether that's their R3 program to help increase the look and feel of your storage facility through new doors or siding or roofing or gating or whatever that is, or a technology solution like their Noki solution that allows people to rent units, to access units, to do all of this without ever going in the office. Be sure to check out Janice International. Link is in the show notes. I know you're hearing so much in the news about a recession. And, um, you know, honestly, I think I've said this a few times. I don't know how we are not in one. Um, but I wanted to give you guys a couple updates because what, and I really want to hit this topic hard, and it's how you take advantage of these times because these are the times that make you. So, when we're looking at overall movement in the economy, okay, so ups, downs, sideways, transitions, um, all of that, 
that is when opportunity is really at its full force. The upsides, like when that opportunity really comes to fruition and when you're able to capitalize on it. But the, um, the changes, that's when it floats to the surface. Now, we're taking full advantage of this. And I want to explain to you how. And there's a couple reasons and a couple things. So we've got this huge deal, um, 23 facilities. And it is all in one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Now, these, all of these deals uh, that we have, it was interesting because I had somebody talking to me and they're like, I can't believe you're buying this many deals right now. And I'm like, that reminds me so much of when we bought deals right when coronavirus hit, right after 2008. Um, and I hear it all the time. I can't believe you're buying these deals. I can't believe that um, you know, you're going into it which is funny because that's how what I've been saying to everybody for the last past, you know, year and a half. I can't believe you're buying these deals at these prices, right? These are crazy. Um, and on those deals that we were bought, first of all, we don't time markets. So we buy them up, down, sideways. Uh, I've said that repeatedly because when we're looking at a deal, I'm not looking at a cap rate. I'm not looking at the market to make us. But as I talk about, we buy things within economic conditions and we take advantage of them and different properties. So our strategy moves over. Like assets don't broadly act the same in real estate. This is a business. These are not stocks. Okay. Uh, so first you got to get that out of your head. Um, and different economic environments will bring different economic conditions and that changes the opportunity of deals that we see. So when we're looking at this deal, we were the lowest offer. And um, I got to I got to tell you this right now. So uh, Brian here really in our office, Brian, wow, a lot of you guys know him. You see him all the time on my Instagram and everything. He got this deal locked, locked under. And uh, I think I was probably the only only owner that talked to the owner and we talked forever. We talked about things that had nothing to do with storage. We were at the lowest offer. We were, all the others were institutions, millions higher than ours and all cash offers. And we really hit to the heart of what he was doing, what he really wanted out of the deal. And I think people forget this, not all sellers. In fact, a huge majority of them, price is not exactly what they want, meaning they're just not trying to get the highest price. Now, there's certain times in economic cycles where buyers become stupid. And when buyers become stupid, then a lot of sellers just start selling stuff because they're like, well, geez, at that price, of course, I'm a seller. That means they're motivated purely by the price tag, right? Um, I don't like those kind of sellers. It's like, give me a stupid price and I'll say, okay, right? Um, now, most sellers that we work with, there's a lot of things going on and there's a lot of things they're looking for and, and trying to do that have nothing to do with the price. That's why we do things like owner financing. That's why we get deals uh, that I think a lot of people miss, but a lot of people don't even take the shot because they're like, I'm not gonna be, I can't get this one, right? Because I'm not gonna be the highest offer. I'm not gonna have the best terms. We didn't have the best terms. We didn't have the highest offer. And there was a whole, there's a whole element of trust when you do deals like this. 
and the owner, it's it's interesting. He came back and he was like, you know, AJ, we really hit it off. Um, I really like you guys. We were the first ones out of the gate. We gave an offer immediately and we got on the phone with the owner. Why? I wanted to build a relationship before anybody got a hold of that owner. I wanted to get my price in the uh, owner, which we knew this is going to go over, right? And we also knew that uh, the price that he was asking uh, was very reasonable for this portfolio. So we underwrote it really, really quickly. And we sent, we didn't do anything on the price. Here's your price. There's your price. And then we said, here are our terms. Let's get on the call. And they called and they're like, you just gave us exactly what we asked. We're like, that's right. Right. We here's that's your price. I, we we're not going to play around. That's what you wanted to sell it at. We're okay buying it at that. There it is. There's your price. Let's do a deal. We're here to do a deal. You're here to do a deal. And we need these terms for different things. But I'm talking to the owner. Well, what that does is now the owner had a conversation. We built a relationship. We were the only ones at the table at the time. That's it. It was just us. So that made good headways with the owner. The owner ends up calling me a week later, something like that. And we are on a Zoom. You have me, the owner, his broker, Brian, and we're talking and the owner's like, I I, got to tell you, the other offers that came in, you're the lowest. The next lowest is, it was something like 2 million above you. And that was the next lowest. And then they go way up from there. And I said, Hey, listen, I understand. And I understand. He's like, I'm not trying to play games here. Right. I, I'm simply giving you a shot and a last look. Cause we built a relationship. You were the first ones at the table, everything. And I don't just want to dismiss you. And that's why we do that. Right. Um, and I'm like, Hey, thank you. And he's like, price isn't really the option, you know, or the, the thing that's really driving it is as much as it is, we want to make sure it can close and everything. And I'm like, you want to know if you can trust me that we'll actually get this deal done, which we showed him how we were things like that prior, but it's a trust thing. And I go, I'll make you a deal. We're going to send you back our, the offer. I'm going to sign it with, uh, our terms you put the price in, sign it and send it back. And then that's the price. And he looked over the broker and said, can we do that? And the broker was like, you can do anything you want. And he was like, AJ, you would actually do that? And I said, yeah, you got to trust me. I'm going to trust you. And we sent it over, signed it, sent it over. Um, he sent it back and it was 1 million over our asking price. This is $150 million. So um, at that price point, at that 1 million over, I was still the lowest. And I think what it did is it's, I'm trusting you. You better show that you can trust me. And so if you're, if I'm going to go out on a limb here, I'm taking the first leap and I know you won't screw me. And that's how you'll know that you won't screw me. So if you go in there and write $180 million, you screwed me, you know, I'm going to screw you, right? It's like, I'm trusting you. You're trusting me here. And that got the deal done. It just, he got it done. He shot it over. Um, and one of the biggest things for him was he said, I want to be done by ski season, AJ. And I, so we said, okay. Um, he had a home out here in Idaho. He was skiing. I'm like, oh, where are you skiing? We, we built this great relationship. And then I said, let's get it done the week before Thanksgiving. Cause that's when the ski resorts open. He's done. That gave me the time I needed as well, right? It wasn't that he wanted a shorter close. He just needed it done before ski season. 
That was it. So I got the terms, he got the price, but I didn't have to pay above and beyond what was acceptable or reasonable, which others were definitely willing to do. Um, now, why we like this deal and why we would go about this in the middle of such economic uncertainty is because there's an overarching, and this is what I want to run through you guys. This deal that we have right now um, is the lowest price in every single market revenue per square foot, which what rents, right? So rents in every single market they are in, they're the lowest. And this seller was spending $10,000 a year on marketing across 23 facilities, not per facility. So the upside for us when we're measuring it, we're like, this is not a $150 million deal. This is a $250 million deal, right? We're like, this is easily worth 50 plus dollars a square foot uh, above. So even if we go into market uncertainty, we have my margin of stupidity. We have such a big hedge and we can really work in these environments. And we're putting in massive interest rates. We are not expecting it to be at super high occupancy, right? And in fact, during the economic um, downturns and during the uncertainties that may be happening um, in these markets that are stable, they're really good, we would be a top player in all of them. And we could outbeat all the competition, like just hands down. So I know that we could really have the fat rise and we would benefit even if we had a downturn. But one of the things and the reason why you're in self-storage, the reason why you want to be in self-storage, the reason I'm in self-storage is because, first of all, the lease arrangements. So those short-term leases allow me to be outrageously flexible in different market conditions. If you have a one or a three-year lease that has a 3% you know, or a 10-year lease, which people say, oh, that's great. That's so safe. 10-year lease, right? I know I'm going to be making the money for 10 years. And you have a provision in that that allows you to get up to a 3% a year rate increase, which is, you know, that's pretty standard. Right now, you have 8 plus percent inflation. You're losing 5 a year percent. Take that over 10 years. Storage, inflation rises 8%. Boom. Rents, up. We're raising rents, right? Uh, that month, the next month. So we're sending out letters and we're raising rates a month later. The market tanks. I need to get people in. I'm putting out specials. I'm dropping street rates. I'm increasing marketing and I'm filling it up. So I can actively be engaged in this asset class through different economic conditions and play over the long run. I'm hedging my downside. I'm protecting my downside on acquisition markets structure of the deal. Uh, perfect example is one of those markets. We basically own the market. So we're 45% of all the square footage on the market. None of the other square footage is correlated. They're not all owned together. So they're all separate doing their own things. So in, for us in that market, we, we looked at it. And, I, and I, I'm going to talk about some demographic things and some switch we do. Like perfect example was in this market, the seller didn't even realize, but he was the one that was holding down the entire market never renting, lifting rates, anything else. When we looked at a submarket next to it, you had rates that were 50% above, yet their incomes were $30,000 a year less on average. So we're looking right next to it. And you're going, your rent, the self-storage rents there, 
with more storage and lower income are 50% above next door. And we control that market. Home run with very, very little risk. So what happens even if we do get an economic downturn or a cycle? Okay, I can't lift rates that much, but I still know I'm going to get there. It may take three years. I can't be quite as aggressive, but I don't need to get 50% rate increases for this to be an astronomical run, home run and make me and my investors millions. I don't need that, right? Like If I can raise rents 10 15%, what that value does to our cap rate is astronomical. Maybe you're buying your first facility, maybe you're a seasoned veteran, whatever that might be, you're going to need property management software. And that's where Tenant Inc. comes in. They are going to be your solution, the top solution in the self-storage industry. I'm telling you guys, this technology has been developed by self-storage owners and operators just like us, just like us here at Self-Storage Income, who have had a say in how this technology has been built, have played a huge part in it, and it is one of the most robust and usable and actionable and valuable tools in regards to property management that you could ever utilize or find in the technology realm and all things self-storage. So be sure check out Tenant Inc. Link is in the show notes. For so many of us, when we're looking at investing in a self-storage facility and purchasing our first facility, or maybe even a facility down the road, maybe we're veterans, we want to use SBA loans. They can be phenomenal options for us to be able to get into a facility at a great rate, at some great terms. Look no further than Live Oak Bank. These guys have some incredible options for SBAs, uh, some incredible terms. They know self-storage. These guys are going to be your one-stop shop for financing, funding, and all things self-storage. Link is in the show notes. Check these guys out. When we look at different deals in different marketplaces, this one for us is actually a hedge against downturns. We were looking at first-tier markets when people were paying three caps and they were buying the facilities that were at the top of the market over the last past year. And I'm like, that's the most dangerous deal ever. And they're like, it's safe because of the market. And I'm like, you're buying at the top of the market. You're paying the most expensive prices. If we have an economic downturn that puts pressure on that asset, you have one way to go and one way only. So we changed our style. We went to markets that had really long rate runways. So no matter what, even if demand fell off everything, we had stability and rate runways. This is how we hedge and move within uncertainty and different economic times while still fully taking advantage of the wealth creation process. It's something we've done over and over and over again. And self-storage is one of the best asset classes to do that due to flexibility, but also stability. People it's, don't want to move their stuff and a 10% increase on a $100 unit is $10 a month. That's a McDonald's mill. They're not moving their stuff. So we can massively increase rates with very little impact on our customers. So when you buy a deal like the one that I got now, which in fact, if, okay, if you do want to get in on that deal, you can go to our website, link below, um, 
sign up where it's like next week we're opening it up. Um, but on those markets, we're coming in, we're, we're, we're buying those. This is for accredited investors only, by the way. I'm not giving any specific returns, anything else like that. It is a 506C, so I can talk about it but it is for accredited investors only. I got to get all that legal stuff out of the way. Um, and I'm not making any promises or I'm not telling any returns that are going to be giving nothing. We're not sharing anything about any of that stuff. So, all right, cover my bases. Um, but on this deal, when we're looking at that variable, right, that's what I want to see. I want to see that there's these big margins of stupidity in these deals. So that even if we're sitting here going and I'm like, the future is not as good as the past, which I actually believe. I adjusted my buying to take better advantage in those times. I'm not, I'm not letting the market control me, right? Now, I can't control all those things, so I have to do it in the ways that I described. That hedges against those uncertain times, but storage is very, very resilient, extraordinarily. So it's already a safe bet with that upside. Right now, maybe I have a two-year period where I can't fully execute on that upside because market conditions are super bad. Okay, well, I'll just do it in the third year. No matter what, there's so much meat on the bone and so much upside. Whether that takes three years or five years, the returns are stupid. And this is what I love about this asset class. This is why this asset class is everyone wants to be in it. It is so resilient and it can move so quickly. Um I, I, there's literally not a better asset class to own during the recession. So uh, I want to give you this. Let me share with you some data right now. When we're looking at the last recession, self-storage defaults. Okay, let me get my right here for all of you. I apologize. I got to literally go through all my data sets that I just have sitting around here. Um, okay. So the CMBS delinquencies for self-storage, right, over the last, whatever that is, 10 years, and that's including the recessions and everything, hospitalities, 20%, retails, uh, almost 15%, office is like five, multifamily is like four, uh, self-storage is like two. It is literally negligible. And out of that two, I guarantee you that had 100% to do with the person that was doing the deal. That's it. Um, I don't know, and I have not seen uh, self-storage since the Great Recession go under. All the ones that went under during the Great Recessions were developments by guys that didn't know what they were doing. And we bought all those. And they were great home run deals. So, uncertain times lend very favorable to self-storage. It actually increases the demand from investors. People want it. They want to get into it. Um, it is the best performing asset in the last past 26 years. Uh, and it has survived all the recessions in that time better than any other asset class. So why other people are running away, I'm running in. And we think through our strategy, our know-how, understanding, risk, demand, upside value, we actually thrive during recessions. I mean, I don't know how many com companies it is. Um, I think I have a list on that, uh, actually, uh, data set too. I could try to find that. I have a list of all the companies that um, were started in recessions. I mean, you're talking GE, all of them, right? Um, recessions are when you make your money. It just is. 
recessions are when you make the vast majority of your money. I'd, I'd say probably the last two recessions have generated 60% of my wealth. Um, it's just so disproportionate uh, for normal economic times. So first, I want to get that. Now, we do have a problem in self-storage, okay? One of the problems is that we do lag the rest of the markets. All right, so we got all done with all the rosiness. One of the biggest problems that you're going to see, interest rates rose so quick, sellers in the self-storage industry have not adjusted. So we're seeing mass amount of deals falling out of contract. Um, we're seeing a lot of that stuff take place because self-storage sellers still think that it's like six months ago and they're learning the hard way that that's not the reality anymore and um, that won't happen. So I, I, I think that over the next coming year, we will only continue to see better and better deals. Uh, some of the stuff that we really like and we're doing right now, we're putting a deal under contract that has moratoriums around storage, and this one has room for expansions. Um, so we're very, very strategic always. But in the last eight months, I mean, I don't know how long it's been now since I've been saying this, nine months, we're adjusting. We went and bought in markets we'd never been in, rate runway. I mean, literally not eight months, it's been a year. It was last summer I was telling everybody we're adjusting our buying. And that has paid off so, so well for us. And it continues to. All right, everybody, this is a shorter podcast. I know I just have these things on my mind. Um, I am actually going out to look at this deal that we're doing. We're going to be recording podcasts on the way where we're going to be going over due diligence as we're doing it. And we're going to talk about finding the deal, uncovering it. We're going to talk about everything that we need to get done, look out for dangers, pros, we'll have the whole team. These are going to be really, really good podcasts where you can come along with us as we do diligence across 23 facilities. And honestly, I think you guys are going to love it. Uh, I hope so. If you're listening to this, you're a self-storage nerd just like me. So I'm sure you will. Wow. What another fantastic episode by AJ here on Self-Storage Income. We love being able to share not only the educational side of self-storage when it comes to investing, financing, and property management, we also love to share success stories. For example, the deal that we just acquired, and there are opportunities just absolutely everywhere when it comes to commercial real estate. You don't always need to start in residential and then move into commercial real estate. There's plenty of opportunities in commercial that are just as cheap as buying single family homes. And we'll be posting updates over on AJ's Instagram, AJ Osborne. And for this episode's comment of the week, we have a comment on one of our recent Instagram posts by Christopher Blaze. Sorry if I butchered your name. And Christopher says, I bought a commercial deal for $700,000, bigger land and building size than a million dollar home down the street. Commercial real estate has more options. It's not as straightforward, but can be more lucrative and stable than residential. Don't say no because you don't know. Christopher, thank you so much for your support and for sharing your success story. That is absolutely right. A lot of times as humans, 
we can deny the possibility of something simply because we have a lack of knowledge. Let's be real, it's hard to get motivated about a topic that you don't really know about or understand completely, and I will admit, it's easy to get that analysis paralysis just to find different reasons and to find different excuses for why we can't do something. And the goal for us here at Self Storage Income is to educate and to inform to make these opportunities known. We'll be posting more about this and other deals over on our YouTube channel, Self Storage Income. If you haven't yet subscribed, I would highly recommend it. Thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Yen, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.